Hello and welcome to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, highlighting artists, teachers, authors, and philanthropists who are committed to planetary purpose, or in other words, holistic visions for planet Earth. My name is Julian Guderlei, and in today's episode, I'm hosting an interview with Dr. Nick Jensen and Dr. David Wardy. Nick and David are the creators and hosts of the Dr. Dads podcast, which is dedicated to delivering strategies for optimal living. Dr. David Wardy and Dr. Nick Jensen are also both holistic doctors. Their, their practice is shining a light on the things that every man, dad, husband needs to hear to experience growth daily. Basically, they help you become a better version of yourself every day by burning fat, building muscle, recovering faster, strengthening your gut health, and becoming a healing gangster. And I met these two healing gangsters at the Kundalini 3HO men's camp in Vancouver at the end of July, where we were getting up at 4 a.m. every day, meditating, doing yoga, chanting, and growing as human beings together. And so I'm really excited to welcoming both of them to the show. And with these words, welcome Dr. Nick and Dr. David. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Great to connect again, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been a while since I had a, a podcast with, with two people. So I'm, I'm excited for um, getting a double load of wisdom and values and uh, medical learnings today. <laughs> yeah, buckle up, buddy. It's going to be coming at you fast. <laughs> <laughs> Well, why don't you get started then? I, I, I'd, love, I'd love to hear about this story about the doctor dads. Like, it's just such a good name. I feel like anybody who, who is a dad needs to listen to this podcast. Yeah, thanks for that. I mean, it's funny. We'll both jump in here, but um, we're, it kind of started a year before we actually launched it. You know, David and I, right when we met each other, we we're absolutely connected. It's like meeting someone like you, Julian. It's just like you're, you're meeting one of your family members. And I always knew when I first met David, there's something that him and I were going to do together. And I think I reached out to him first. I can't remember how it went. And I was like, David, I think, you know, you and I should do a podcast. And I think maybe like, I don't know, like David was ready to go. He, he was like, okay, let's do it. Uh, let's get things rolling. And then I sort of just disappeared. I, I, I just, I'm not sure what happened, but eventually we came back together, realigned and, and, uh, and then started to launch this thing. And, and we, and we really like was birthed out of the, I think the vision that we hold for ourselves, you know, we, we see ourselves as, you know, strong, sensitive, loving men who, who both, you know, are dads and, and we're superheroes to our kids. And we wanted that sort of avatar to be something that we share with the world uh, because, you know, this isn't just for men. It's not just for dads. It's, it's literally for everybody to step into their, their purpose, step in alignment, step into what's, what's growth for them. And what does that mean to you? And, and how do you live optimally? Not just from health, but mindset, relationship, you know, and then all the strategies that we can share as doctors. So David, can you please fill in the gaps there? Cause I know there's more to it than that. Well, yeah. And, and like Nick's saying, you know, it was one of these things that just, it kind of birthed itself out of a, a friendship that was created. And I think the longer him and me connected, the more it just became this purposeful thing that we knew we needed to do. And, and the, the beautiful part about what we get to do every week when we get to record and, and have guests on the podcast or me and Nick just get to connect is not number one, I get to learn from Nick because I, I, this guy teaches me stuff almost every day. So it's like having a guide that you get to connect with almost every week. But the information that's shared, whether it's with each other, we know it's going to help so many other people just by listening into these conversations, whether it's like I'm saying with, with these different guest speakers from all different arenas of the health field, or it's just him and me sometimes just getting into the nitty gritty of mindset and life and being dads and fathers and things like that. And 
there's just so much to offer there. You know, me and Nick, we, we pride ourselves in the approach that we take, I think, as professionals to help people get well in many arenas of their health, not just physical health, but mental health, emotional health, things like that. And just through our connection, you, you, we see so much uh, really just beauty taking place and helping other people just by giving these little nuggets in each of these podcasts that we have that are helping people experience that growth that we're trying to accomplish. So um, it's been a blast. It really has. Yeah, very nice. I, I, I love seeing that enthusiasm, especially when it goes about health and beyond the physical kind of uh, part of health. And that's, that's kind of my first follow-up question because we met, at, as I mentioned in the intro, the men's camp in Vancouver just a couple of weeks ago. How important or what, what importance is the role of community in people's health? Can you guys demystify that a bit? I'll let Nick take that one, actually, because I think he, <laughs> no, honestly, I think he, he'd have a pretty good solid answer for that one. Yeah, I mean, community is huge. I, I actually reference my wife a lot. She's, I get a lot of my wisdom from her. She's an amazing woman. And, you know, I can't help but think when you say that uh, birthing, you know, whether it be friendship, and in the case of my wife and I was children, birth takes a village, right? And it's because the birthing experience of, you know, and you take that to the level of relationship, that's just that in initial intimacy, that's that connection, that's that bond. It's like Dave and I just knowing that we're going to do something together. It's that birthing experience, but really what comes after that, it's community. It's that sustainability experience, the stuff that you teach on Green Planet, Blue Planet, is really about what does the continuum look like in any sort of relationship? And, you know, what's the worst thing that can happen to someone is do you put them in isolation and, you know, this, this happens in obviously in our criminal uh, uh, situations where, where the worst thing you can do to somebody is actually isolate them. So we, we're fundamentally wired and there's things in our brain called mirror neurons where we we're literally responding to someone's facial tone, um, facial muscle contraction. We're, we're so responsive mm -hmm. just by looking at them. And, and again, the worst thing can happen to us is to be in a state of isolation. So we are fundamentally, genetically, chronologically, genealogically linked to a tribal concept. And so we, we thrive in community. And when we're not there, it's, it's, it's a lifeline that, that literally degenerates us. One I would say as practitioners, in addition to what Nick's sharing, you know, you see healthcare taking this very interesting role, at least a lot of functional medicine doctors or holistic doctors where it's very community-based medicine now where we're actually sharing a lot of information to these communities, whether they're directly with our practices or with our hometown or just listening to our podcast like this. You know, Nick, he, he introduced me and immersed me in his community that he'd been a part of, which was the 3HO Kundalini camp that he's been a part of for what, like five, six years. And, and my health has improved just by him exposing me to that and bringing me onto that. So you talk about this community factor in people's health. I think it's really a, a segue for everyone to latch on to, like he's saying, this tribal type feel to find the growth that they're not getting from maybe the isolation that they're having in their life. And, it, and it, it's very, it's one of these things that's, it's, there's a big ripple effect there. I mean, I tell Nick all the time, like, buddy, just meeting you has had massive influence on so many things in my life that's improved my, my well-being and my health and my, my happiness and my joy. And I mean, it goes beyond just like, hey, Nick, we're buddies, right? And so you look at something as simple as that, 
and we're able to do that on a daily basis with our patients and clients, but it's just so much more of a bonus when you're starting to speak out to the world and you're just spreading this information and you're seeing that community and that stuff build uh, in real time. It's so interesting because I feel like a lot of people that are listening might say, well, I, I have community or a startup community, but I'm always surrounded by people. I live in a city. There is a community there, but there's something very specific that really happens when you step out of that isolation that might even happen in the middle of big groups of people, the isolation on the inside, right? Like the, the, the kind of connection with one's own mind or head brain over, over the, the honesty and the vulnerability that, I mean, the way we met with like doing yoga from 4 a.m. to like 6.30 a.m., you, you basically can't help but start the day completely blown open because you're, you're doing the motions and the notions. So there's, there's no other way than showing up, right? But in regular everyday life, that's not everybody's case. So mm -hmm. do you guys have... Really, I was going to yeah. say, jump in if I could. Please, yeah. Sort of the paradox of our time, right? Like we're more connected now because of the web and than we've ever been in our entire lives. And there's so much more depression, isolation. There, there's more this sense of like not being part of a tribe, which is, which is the ultimate paradox, right? And you know, when you speak about being in Kundalini Yoga Camp, the first thing that popped in my head, like as in a community together, is like we were in the trenches together. Like who wakes up at 3.30 in the morning to prepare for your day with meditation in a grueling yoga class and then, you know, two hours of doing some sort of meditative um, sitting, I mean, it's, it's hard on the body. And, you know, there's that relational aspect to knowing that, you know, your brothers or sisters or whatever the case may be for you are, are, are in it with you. Right. And, you know, you think of like any community that you've maybe entered into, you know, those of you who are listening, sometimes you just show up and you feel the energy of the room or the, the home or whatever it is. And you just know that you feel like you belong there. And, you know, not, there's not a community necessarily that's going to fit every personality, but definitely there's a personality that can fit into a certain community. And, you know, sometimes it's just feeling into what actually feels like family and community for you. Beautiful. I like that a lot because I guess a lot of people are actually struggling um, with loneliness, you know, and it's, it's something that I think even, even those of us who, who, you know, uh, celebrating successes regularly we are, are struggling with. And I, I mean, in this world, truly, that is at this state of our consciousness and evolution, how can we not go through cycles of depression or struggle every now and then? Because the world at large is struggling and pretty depressed, right? So it's, I think it's not about um, completely being out of that, but watching that on the inside and then surrounding yourself with the support. And, and so that's kind of my, my follow-up question for you guys, because I'm just so curious, you know, you're, you're, you called your podcast The Dr. Dads, and you're both fathers. We talked about conscious education a little bit when we met. If you were both to change our education systems at large, and we just talked about community, right, coming from the topic of community, what would you do? How would you restructure education and education systems, starting with children? Man, that's a great question. Um, I'll just, I'll jump in here and, and obviously we can fill in the gaps. Uh, man, we, we know something is broken. Uh, I, I don't know if anyone of you has uh, tuned into, um, there's a great sort of little infomercial that came out with uh, the gentleman who I'm blanking on his name right now, but he was sort of relating a car to the educational system. The educational system for the most part hasn't changed a whole lot in like a couple hundred years. If you look at vehicles, like we went from horses, you know, to like 
somewhat motorized cars with wood tires and then you know this we're now into the electric electric realm and now there's hydrogen cars that are coming out there's been a steady climb and evolution in how we're doing things yet once kids enter into the system they're taught to sit down they're taught to behave and they're taught to listen the creative model of of using you know accessing different parts of their the hemispheres of their brain and um you know we're we're programming and someone said this too that the school systems are built around the military system of such rigid structure how is someone supposed to identify purpose how is someone supposed to experience a state of growth when you're always being told how you're supposed to think how you're supposed to remember how you're supposed to prepare for tests you know and it seems like a silly exercise to go through and at the same time it's like Unless, unless you're willing to homeschool or, you know, travel to different parts of the world to help your kids educate in a system that's a lot more conducive to growth, um, it seems it seems like there's not a whole lot moving. Now, in saying that too, I want to acknowledge all the incredible teachers that are out there. They're doing phenomenal work. That have deep, caring hearts. That are maybe more Montessori based, or maybe there's more Emilio or Reggio Emilio. Um, you know, just sort of like, or uh, some of the Rudolf Steiner type of, of learning of like helping kids through developmental phases. No doubt there's stuff like that that's out there. Um, but if we're, I think what, what you're referring to and speaking to is like the educational system at large and, you know, looking at that system and just the lack of evolution and growth in it, um, clearly when things are broken, we should be fixing them instead of going, well, how can we sort of micromanage things along the way? And it matters for us because we're both parents. You know, so we think about this stuff all the time. Well, I'd like to say, you know, I think one of the biggest problems with our education system right now is the system that we, we've created for these children to learn in, it's so broken because the foundation of it is that, hey, learn this, then spit it back up on a test. And that's what learning is. And all three of us know that's not what learning is. Real learning is being having this ability to problem solve no matter what it is in front of you and have that critical thinking space. So uh, an average day for a kid now is <clears throat> most of these little kids that need to be sleeping more are getting up way too early, they're in school and they're just being bombarded nonstop all day with all this information. And then it's like, okay, now throw it back up on a paper. And then, yeah, that means that you're smart because you got a good grade. And then you have these other kids that maybe don't that that type of environment is not conducive for them. They're not getting as good at grades. And then they're seeing those grades as, oh, well, I'm not smart. And so, you know, I, I'd be completely honest with you. I was one of those kids growing up that I didn't make the best of grades. I wasn't the A student, honor roll student all the time. And there were parts of my childhood where I thought like, wow, I'm not as smart as everybody around me. Mm-hmm. And it, it wasn't until my latter years that I realized like that was all a bunch of BS. Like, it had nothing to do with it, you know, and then you start to get older and you find things that you're passionate about and you start to learn a little bit more advanced. But I think kids, if they have an interest or a passion towards something early on, that should be where we push them right away. You know, whether it's they want to be a doctor or they want to be something as simple as a mechanic or, you know, I heard something one time from somebody and I can't remember, it was a documentary and they were saying, not everybody's going to be, you know, a business exec or, you know, a politician or an engineer. You know, there's some people that may just make guitars or be craftsmen and be carpenters. And so I don't think our education system should be so cookie cutter. And then the kids that can't fall within within these barriers, you know, they they're considered either dumb or not. They're not going to make it. And you know, the system is just so broken because 
it's only available to a very small demographic for success. And all these other kids that are outside of that, that range, they're, they're considered, you know, I guess not worthy to some degree to our, by our education system. And so how many of these kids are falling out through the cracks mm -hmm. because of the system? Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, I, love, I love what both of you are saying there, just to, to kind of jump back into this, this conversation, because I feel like, you know, there, there is uniqueness and passion that really is in everyone and um, curiosity and passion when they're mixed something really becomes possible, right? And, you know, David, you just mentioned success, but is the definition of success that's common, a commonplace or economically centric, is it really the definition that we, we want to educate children by, um, especially in like early age? And I, I think all, all that is already shifting and then, and Nick, you mentioned like uh, from Dr. Levick, from Rolf Steiner to other uh, philosophies that I've actually been exposed to in, in the past. And all of those are great um, suggestions, but they're also based from the past, right? Like we're in, in 2019, we're in, in such like fast changing, highly technological yeah. environments that um, I'm just always curious to hear what parents and people who, you know, who are so on their journey, like the two of you, um, what ideas um, you have to, to, you know, like, add or augment the current systems or or maybe even just the way parents talk to each other about how, how the success uh, in quotation marks here of a child looks yeah so i think if we could you know insert a, a program it would be to teach people real life skills right teach them about nutrition teach them about cooking properly teach them about how, how to actually take care of yourself when you're not with your parents like how do we establish those routines early how do we teach them about proper nutrition like guess what, sugar's not a good thing for you. You know, what Jamie Oliver is even doing with the food revolution is huge because it's just raising awareness. Like, you know, what if we took, you know, you know, finance, uh, nutrition, exercise, spirituality, you know, all these like major components of living uh, an abundant life and then let the kids decide what that, you know, what that definition of success really is, you know, you know, of course, there must be a role in there somewhere for like biohacking and optimal aging and, you know. Of um, course you would say that. Of course, yeah. <laughs> performance and everything. I mean, and, and that helps to birth that, that curiosity. But yeah, I would love to see something like that, you know. Um, as a parent, you know, it, it needs, that's where we have to fill in those gaps, you know. I mean, I, we, we, all of us, I'm, I'm assuming things are probably a little different in Europe. I know we know Finland, I think, has the highest you know, grade point average and, and they like end school early. There's a whole lot more play time. There's more time for creative play. So I think things are done probably differently in Europe overall than they are in North America. But, you know, we turned out okay. But what, what if like in those really formative years, like we're, from the age zero to seven, you're deep in theta state. You're deep in that like record state. Like we could be learning like three, four languages. We could be like, you know, in an immersed in an environment that's massively programming again success whatever that is and the mindset intention and spirituality at, at a young age and just creating an environment like that um i can't remember this quote exactly but it was goes back to one of the early fa fathers of modern uh, of western medicine he says give me a kid up to the age of seven i'll show you the man and it just shows like you know you can really transform someone's life in those early years and you, and you know as a doctor when we see people in their trajectory of health as you know as they age in their 30s and 40s and whatnot we're seeing early and earlier signs of degeneration and you know just think if we set kids up properly in all those different parameters um 
reared us such a different population. Well, and, and, you know, one thing I wanted to mention, I was listening to Guru Singh's podcast today, actually, and he was talking about something similar. He was talking about the education system, but one of the things he was explaining was he said, you know, you have kids that sometimes don't question anything, right? And they're just like the herd. They're following along and they do as they're told and there's no really thinking for themselves. And, you know, I think as parents and administrators at schools and stuff like that, this is the type of kid they want at school. And then you have the ones that are always talking in the back and they're causing trouble and they're asking questions and they're challenging. And I think it was Guru Singh that said, Yogi Bhajan said, oh, I love those. Those are my favorites. And they were his favorites because he's like, they don't conform. They're always outside the box. They're thinking, well, why is it that way? And I think we need to have a healthy, uh, a healthy amount of that in our children's lives from birth, like Nick saying from zero to seven of, we don't conform to how it is because this doesn't necessarily mean that it's the way it's supposed to be. Mm. And, and, and like you're saying, like, what is success? I think this conformity that we're creating for our kids and it's like this system of, well, this is success. This is what it looks like. This is what it's supposed to be. So then these kids grow up brainwashed thinking, well, that's what I have to do because that's what I'm supposed to do. And who said that? Mm -hmm. So, you know, me and Nick, we're very outside the box doctors. And if we went back to school, right, if you and me were in high school, we would literally be the, the weird ones because we, weren't, we wouldn't be the ones that were conforming to everything else. We'd always be the ones that were thinking outside the box and wanting to do all this random stuff. And everyone would probably be looking at us funny. But now we're business professionals and we thrive off of that, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, we're, and we're completely against the grain. We're like the rebels in healthcare right now with the way the we healing, approach the healing everything. gangsters let's yeah. let's jump in right there because i like the transition that, that's like emerging you know mm -hmm. because the way i understand healing gangster which it does make me smile but the way i understand it is like you have agency over your own health so take that agency take claim that responsibility for your own health right so the doctor is not just an authority and i'd love to hear um the two of you on a topic that, I mean, Dr. Nick, you shared uh, about that largely at, at, at Men's Camp as well. Um, for the three of us, it might be something we're already pretty familiar with, but you talked about like programming the subconscious and uh, theta brainwave states and, and then how we're basically just operating from a subconscious mind in our later life and how people basically sabotage their health in the environments and the circumstances they grow up in and later on are just really putting band-aids on it. And so the state of health in general and what it takes to be like a healing rebel. Like what's, what's coming up for you, the two of you, cause that's your everyday life, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, one of the things that we talked about the, the core sort of word, I think was disruption, right? Cause as in, it's kind of like the kids at the back of the room, they're disrupting everything. Like we need to find a way to subdue them. And, and yeah, disruption is really, really everything that, that, that we teach because you know, we all, we all have these, we talk about worldview a lot um, on our podcast as well, as we all come in with a certain lens of how we're seeing the world and, and you know, take your fish oils, take your probiotics, um, you know, uh, milk is bad, red meat's bad, this, like, whatever the construct is. And I'm not giving dietary advice at this moment right now. I'm just saying, like, we all have, like, an opinion on things. And, uh, yeah, when you turn into a healing gangster, you start to just, who are you? You're, you're, you're creating an authenticity about who you are and you're a unique individual. You know, a gangster would be someone who goes against the grain, um, someone who, again, rebellious or what have you. And, and when I look back at my life, I, I, I always, I never liked authority. I don't like, 
I really can't stand um, and I get really triggered by injustice. And when things are being positioned upon us that we have to think, you know, be, act a certain way. And, uh, and that's, that brings in the uniqueness of each individual, especially when it comes to someone's healing journey. You have to be disrupting the, the brainwave patterning, the thought, the, the thought forms, your worldview, you have to disrupt everything. You know, the, the, the worst or the, the least conscious individual is the one who's not willing to question their own belief system. The one who's not willing to say, to, to oh, actually listen. That's a big right? one, man. That's yeah. a big one right there. Like, you, you know, how willing are you to learn? Like, are you willing to open your ears and actually be open-minded? Like, that, that's a sign of like a, a conscious individual in my mind is what's, how high is your willingness to learn? And, uh, you know, some of the best doctors, I mean, we get, we get to, I mean, so grateful that we get to meet some just phenomenal world changers. And these are some of the most humble people you could ever meet. They know so much. They've, you know, they've been, had so much accolades for the things that they've done. And, and they're some of the most curious people you can imagine, you know. And I, and I think of that, you know, just from different stories of people like Warren Buffett or, or people that are just reached the highest of where they go and they're probably the most curious people uh on this planet and there's, there's a reason for that and they never stop learning never stop growing always always looking deeper well said man i got nothing that was beautiful <laughs> sound sounds to me that when you have agency over your own health and you're like committed to being a lifelong learner that in an, another way to kind of like butcher what you said there or paraphrase it is like you, you can change your state of health if you're actually curious enough to do so totally well the why has got to be there but i think nick would second me when i say this a lot of the healing that takes place for us to just get the door open and get people moving in the right direction is we have to help them unlearn and question their beliefs like he's saying it has to start there because so many people that's why they're sick they've been upside down their whole life and then you find out it's it's paradigm it's it's oh well, i thought this was the truth and then when they start learning like holy cow all these things i thought were the reality of how i was supposed to do it i've been doing the complete opposite of what i'm supposed to be doing and so that's where that whole gangster right comes into is like we're the ones that are cool with saying hey do it uh, take a 180 completely 180 degree approach you need to do it this way and we're okay with it yeah, and you know, I we I think we learned some of that. I'm not sure if you did too, David, but from uh, Tim Ferriss, he talks about that stuff all the time. It's like look and see what everyone else is doing, and then do the exact opposite and test it for yourself and see if see if there's truth there for you. Uh, Dave Asprey talks about that even with the fat. You know, there's a whole disruption on nutritional uh, situation or conversation around is fat good, is fat bad? And again, it's another 180 degree solution. Yeah, very curious. I mean. Those two are definitely disruptors in the space that they're sitting in, Dave Asprey and, and Tim Ferriss. I have um, a follow-up question that just kind of popped into my head, and I'm just curious. Uh, have you guys explored the healing therapies or healing properties of uh, binaural beats? And what, would you have, what, what could you say about that? I'm actually a huge fan. That's something I've dipped into in the last year, um, and I started playing with it just after you, you hear about it in the biohacking arena and you start wanting to play with these things a little bit. And so I was using it really for stress reduction to help with sleep. If I started to see my sleep cycle getting thrown off 
And I think it's amazing. I've, I've seen some huge impact on sleep when I need to start getting better sleep, improve sleep. I'll, I'll, I'll literally listen for, I probably only last 12 minutes and then I pass out, but I'll throw on my headphones before bed, throw on some binaural beats, you know, put some underlying tracks and man, you know, I, I have a very deep background in, in energy medicine, which is all frequency based. So it makes complete sense to me. And I'm a big advocate for sound therapy and using things like binaural beats and some of these other things to, to help with healing. And, and really at the foundation of what we are as human beings. I mean, we're, when you're doing that type of therapy, you know, we, people can say brain, they can say all these things, but me and Nick, we talk about the connective tissue matrix. You're hitting a layer of the, of the body that, Really, I mean, if you're not using a tool like that, you don't really have access to medicine like that without using something like that. Mm -hmm. I was kind of laughing just because it's this, there's sort of this theme that keeps showing up in our podcast on sound as medicine. And we've had three different experts. We're having Ashley Lau from, from Men's Camp uh, teach us on drumming and drumming for health in a, in a few weeks. And uh, yeah, I mean, the more we learn about it, even just, you know, doing mantra, like the stuff that we did at, uh, at men's camp. I mean, there's so much power and vibrational energy and, and obviously everything's frequency. And, uh, and I'm also kind of laughing because I, I remember back to the, one of the, one of the many moments on my journey where my mind was absolutely blown. And it was, it was a naturopathic school. I think I, I was like, I took a couple of days off because I wasn't feeling well. And someone told me to watch this movie called What the Bleep. And I remember watching the movie. I love that one. Oh my God. Like I watched the film and there was this elation inside of me. I was like, I knew it. I knew that there was more to health and the body and the mind and, and everything we've been told. It's like, I knew it. We weren't learning this stuff. And like, we don't learn this stuff in naturopathic medicine. I don't know if you did in chiropractic medicine. Like no. we didn't learn this stuff. And when I watched that movie, I was so blown away. I had I watched it again and watched it again. And I was searching everywhere for more information on this stuff and there just wasn't a lot of stuff available at that time and then I stumbled across something called holosync started listening to that and getting into these altered states of consciousness with you know uh, dabbled in some things like astral travel and all this i was i was just blown away by this world of vibrational medicine and energy and frequency and then to come on this other side and understand the physiology and biochemistry and neurochemistry and all that stuff. And then to see more technology come up as supporting this. And now there's science that backs this up. It gets me really excited for the future. And to think that we're moving into a time where technology and, and like sound healing or whatever, you know, the realm is, is coming out so quick. Like, like when we talk about like biohacking and some of the cool things that are in this world, there's always this new toy and I'm just like, I'm like a squirrel. I like, just, I see the squirrel, I just look for it. And, then, and I'm constantly going like, wow, there's stuff that can do that. There's stuff that can do that. It's so powerful. And when we understand some of that basic physiology, like you're saying, like extracellular matrix, all these little microtubules and fascia that make up the interconnectivity between our cells is really like this the channels for how vibration sh like shuttles through our entire body. It's absolutely fascinating. And it just shows how in, in, like intricate and how connected everything is and how your movement matters and how you talk about yourself matters and the things you listen to and your sleep and you know it brings it just bridges everything yeah this is this is super fascinating um what comes to mind when you guys speak about healing properties of sound is the environments we've created and we live in 
right? So, I mean, it's pretty obvious if you, an early riser, um, which I think all three of us uh, have at least met in that eco ecosystem of rising early. But if you're an early riser in the city and you get out there, maybe you run through a park or whatever, and it's, it's sometime between 5 a.m. and 7 a.m., and you literally hear the city wake up, it's like from silence and nature, I would call it harmony. Um, there's the, the, the sirens and the, the jackhammers and the cranes and construction sites and the cars. I mean, the cacophony of sound that comes alive in a city on an everyday basis is, it's actually kind of mind blowing how crazy the soundscape is in the places mm -hmm. that a lot of people live in. Um, and so, I'm just curious to hear your point of view, like, you know, the healing properties of sound, would that mean maybe in a future iteration of the way we build, we take that into account and like create resonance chambers or resonance fields or resonance uh, places in cities? Can you, can you see that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, just a personal experience. I mean, I, I, just before we got on the podcast, I, I had to take a call because and uh, I was, it was my lawyer discussing some things that we need to sign for, for taking ownership of our new house. And where we lived before <laughs> was that. It was so loud. David stayed there. Sick. We were right in a busy, living in a busy, really busy street. Tons of traffic, two lanes on either side. And it was nonstop. Our nervous systems in the summertime, because they had have the windows open a little bit more, just rock. You just feel that, like, all day long you can't think of like just being this racing mindset it's kind of like people turning the, the the news on and just you're in a crappy mood after and you forgot why it's just constantly playing in the background and so we have the opportunity to move to a like a another part of vancouver that's just beautiful it's two blocks from the ocean it's super quiet there's there's it's not busy at all like we're gonna we're gonna be in this in a nice piece of nature and what that does just even thinking about it just makes my nervous system so happy and elated because it's it's that fight or flight state right we can't heal when we're constantly in sympathetic overdrive and it's all the stimulus you know we can talk about emfs and 5g that's coming down the pipeline and and then you know we can get you can get on a rabbit hole in that stuff and then you can also think well you know what there's there's driverless cars that are coming we're moving into an electric paradigm you know, there's, there's some, maybe there's the cars gonna be a lot more quiet. Maybe there's gonna be a little more control on speed limits and maybe there'll be better access for public transport. So, um, you know, with all the disruption that is happening, it's affecting us. Uh, there, there, I, my hope is that, the, that yes, we do all those things. We have better sound barriers. We've got better public transport. We quieten the things. Um, you know, there's so much research now and just even like from Japan and looking at tree bathing and the, and the power that being in nature has on these little things called cytokines in your body that regulate inflammation you're literally when you spend time in nature and you get out of the noise of the city your body actually releases healing chemicals like big surprise and there's study after study showing that getting out in nature is absolutely conducive to a, more, a healthier body mind and spirit and all of it so David, I'm pretty sure you have something else to say on that, but I just want to throw the term epigenetics into the, the room as well, because I mean, probably no one better to talk about it and explain it a bit more than the two of you right now, right here. But 
aren't we creating epigenetic environments that are triggering the wrong neurochemistry and, and like connections within us, like in those environments? And isn't like what you just said, Dr. Nick, isn't it like so obvious if that's what the forest does to us, then like we, we got to provide those environments for humans around us. Well, and I would say, you know, this, this epigenetic, these epigenetic stressors, right? You know, we're talking about something as simple as sound. Uh, Nick talked a little bit about like electric cars. And so you're looking at, you know, we have electromagnetic pollution. We have electro smog from 5G and 3G and Wi-Fi and everything is electronic now, right? And, and that's just that. And then you talk about biochemical stressors. And so one of the things I love that Nick actually talks a lot about, he talks about the terrain that we're creating in our bodies on a daily basis. And if you're in a constant mode, like he's saying, of these bombardments of sound and toxicity in the food around you and the water and the air and even the people of the community you're in maybe and you know the 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 type of friends you surround yourself with are they bringing positivity or are they negative all the time so you're getting over overloaded 24 7 you're in sympathetic overload your nervous system's just tapped out so when are you ever hitting that pressure release valve to get your body back into a parasympathetic mode, which is where we're supposed to live the majority of the time? You know, our body is supposed to just be in and out of fight or flight in little bursts, but we're supposed to be living in parasympathetic mode and keeping that tone to stay healthy. So, you know, you said something earlier, Julian, you said, are we going to have these like sound chambers? And I hope it never gets to the point where in cities they're having to build these like these these like quiet scape chambers for us to escape the the insanity you know like right now you see people post all the time how important it is to get outdoors and the reason is for that it's just to unplug it's to get out of that electro smog all this electromagnetic radiation it's to get away from the cell phones and the computers and and, and the sound and and just tune out because as human beings we're connected to Mother Earth, and that's one thing that she provides us that's always there, but we have to make sure that there's an environment that's conducive for our health that way. You know, Nick's moving from the city out, you know, to more of a suburb area where it's quieter. One of the things I love about where I live is we picked a house that was on the corner of a development. I have nobody behind us. We have nobody to the side of us. I have a view of the beautiful Franklin Mountains behind me, and so when I get to go home, I'm escaping the hustle and bustle of, of my daily life and all the all the the hecticness, right, of everything and all these epigenetic stressors. And when I go home, there's this tranquil stillness in my household. Or if I step outside of my house, you know, I can hit, go walk up the mountain and and I get that that parasympathetic drive going immediately. It's my escape. But how many people have that mm -hmm. on a daily basis? Because some people they they're just living in it and it never stops. Yeah, I mean, you just said, hopefully we never have to build those spaces in cities. But at the same time, I'll just ask you back, don't you think we have that pollution to the max already right now? Like, aren't we already at the breaking point? I think we are at the breaking point, but I'm hoping that it never gets to where they have to do that. I hope we start yeah, moving yeah. in the other direction. Yeah, because those it, are the new stories to tell 100%. Yeah. yeah. There's apparently, I just had a patient earlier today tell me that there's this great Netflix documentary talking about the Canary Islands. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen this yet, but apparently they were like 80% or 100% uh, all fossil fuels. And they, the Canary Islands, uh, the landscape is, is they've got, it's a coastal place, of course. So they're actually desalinating the water. They're pumping it up the mountain to, I'm not sure if it's uh, an, uh, an, or an old volcano. 
it's then they're basically repiping the water coming uh, that comes back down the mountain. They're they're using hydroelectric electric power from that pumping down the mountain, and they're using that for clean water. And it's like all these like things. We have all the answers around us right now, and we're still barreling pipelines through, through nature. <laughs> it's it's crazy. Like it's just absolute insanity that the technology is there it's it's just not being implemented you know like i can't remember when it was the first electric car came out but i mean we should have been way past the point it's a while ago yeah yeah i mean it's it's so silly i mean things move so fast in in computers technology i mean i still remember my dad had the big brick phone right and you know look where we've come with these smart computers sitting in our pockets like but we're like snail's pace for for these other things and obviously it's driven by the the green energy the the dollars right so um right i mean the the forces and the the reasons of why things are moving the way they are um that's a whole other conversation and, and i think it's it's somewhat um obvious once somebody digs into the research and the leaks and everything that's available out there but it is very curious to see that a lot of the progress that we've all been hoping for and including like the environmental responsibility we have as humans because we, we are a powerful species that is able to take control of the planet and is able to change the climate and the environment right so that's that movement i feel um there's a strong desire in people that that movement would go faster but then also i think it requires all and every single one of us who is awake to that notion to step up and continue to keep up so that we can actually step into that kind of a shift like if i think of the storytellers and that includes myself like we're coming really late into that game like those stories i mean could have doesn't help in, in any way or sense but could have been told 30 years ago so that now they are becoming the new normals and so we mm -hmm. have to fight pretty hard to build new normals amidst like you know crazy um things happening like the amazon and Siberia burning that down for more cattle and soy and i mean the united states investing into that and, and so on we, we know that this is the current reality so we we can acknowledge it without getting lost in it i guess mm -hmm. um you know i want to i want to ask a personal question um to, to each of you and it's it's a segue i think that makes sense because when we talk about the environment and we talk about all the things that are going on on still on the like rather dramatic side of how humanity is you know um, yeah, quite an abusive species in, in some, some ways. I'd love to know from both of you, um, what is required for you to experience trust mm. interpersonally or individually or in a group? Uh, I can, I'll see, I can start here. Um, cause it's kind of made me think on a, on a bunch of different tangents and I want to try to keep it focused as, as much as possible. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a gullible guy. <laughs> Someone tells me something, I want to look for the positive positivity in it. I want to find the truth in it as quickly as possible. And, uh, my wife's the exact opposite. She's got more of that negative mindset. She's like, she'll smell the bullshit, the BS. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say that in this podcast, but, um, she'll smell it right away. Yeah. So, I mean, it's part, it's like, it's like a, I think it's a curse and a, and a gift because I'm always looking for how things, the solution, like, could that be true? And so um, I think there's a, there's a beauty in that. And then the, the challenge though, is that I've realized about myself when I'm, when I'm that way, I lose 
proper discernment for what's truth for me. And so I'm so quick to try to help someone else and boost them up and, and be on board that I don't do a self check-in to see if it's truth for me in this moment. It may be truth for me at some point in time. It may be truth in the past, but I, I've learned that my trust needs to come from a, a deeper sense of who I am and, and not just jump in and say yes to, to everything that comes my way. And so in, in relationship, and it's funny because after men's camp, actually, that was one of my words. Every year, my wife and I talk about our, our word of the year. And I went into men's camp with my words of potency and the things I do say, act, and be and devotion and and i didn't really capture devotion um maybe a story for another time I had a really challenging event that showed up after a retreat that we led and i, I was in disbelief and, and and out of my purpose a little bit for the last few months until after men's camp and after men's camp both david and i were like laughing and crying and at one one point in one of the the exercises we did and what came out of that was was allowing me to move into a place of trust for there's a purpose for me on this planet and, and and part of that purpose revolves around deeply 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 trusting myself and listening because i think trust is not possible without that authentic listening within so uh that's that's it for me i i've moved from gullibility to actually honoring truth for me. And, and that comes from actually listening to myself first before I um, jump in. I don't know if that's kind of the direction that you were looking for, but that's, that's beautiful brother. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. It's very insightful. Um, <clears throat> man, that's a tough question. You know, I'm listening to a lot of things that Nick's saying and I agree with him in, in many ways, you know, I also will see the best in most people and, and I would call myself a little gullible and, and I think our, that's why we're married, right, Nick? We have our wives who can smell that BS a mile away. <laughs> they, the same, isn't she? Oh, yeah, man. They're always there to step in when it needs yeah. to happen. And then after they say it, you kind of look at them and you're like, oh, my God, why didn't I see that, what you're telling me right now? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, amazing. you know, the first thing that came to mind for me is I have this saying I always say, and this is just from life experiences where, like, I had trust in people. That, that they were doing good things either for me or their intentions were strong and then it backfired. Um, but it's one of those things where like you give somebody enough time. And I think it was my mom that told me growing this up and the, and they'll kind of hang themselves with their words. If you spend mm -hmm. a lot, enough time with them. And that's just kind of been how it's been with me with, with some of these negative experiences about how we trust. But I think I would second with Nick of saying the more, I've connected with trusting myself of who I am and what I'm all about. I think it's enabled me to find uh, making better decisions to trust other individuals. And, and, and that would actually come from the connection I find with people, you know, like for example, you know, someone like Nick and even you, Julian, the amount of connection I'm able to have sometimes with people just within a few uh, moments of, of, of hanging out with them sometimes I dial in with that person. And a lot of times that's enough for me to give that person trust. But then I'm like, I'm saying, and then time's the other factor. You know, you spend enough time with that person. Is that connection congruent the whole time or is it losing it? And if you lose that congruency with that connection with that person, then sometimes I feel like, well, maybe the trust isn't there like I thought it was at the beginning. So I don't know if that makes any sense, but 
I feel it does. And on the contrary, yeah, though, with what you just said, if, the, if that person over time proves that they're trustworthy, I feel like in my experience, then trust goes exponentially through the roof. Oh, it I deepens, someone, right? Yeah, it deepens so much because if, if I can go through adversity or um, hardship or a form of struggle with someone and I'm like, oh, wow, but you were really there or you could, I could really count on you being you, right? For me, this is a big one with, with trust is can I... Can I trust you to be you? Or are you changing who you are every five minutes? Not that that's a, a bad thing. I, I think we all change. Uh, change is obviously part of life. But uh, integrity has, has to do with it for me as well. I love this uh, question, you know, because I... Sorry, go ahead. Well, you hit it on the head, man. I, li I like the way you said that. You said, you know, like, are you going to be that same person? Am I going to feel that same connection with you that I felt the first two or three times? Or am I getting a different person every time, right? Yeah. And that just throws those red flags out. And so, yeah, that, that, that was a good way of describing what I was trying to say earlier. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was, and if I could add one thing, I mean, we can also trust people to be jackasses too, right? Like you could just, again, they can own it, you know? And, and I think, yeah, I don't know if you guys remember this, this um, uh, part of the lecture when Gersing was talking about this, this guy that he worked with, it was complete, just jackass. Uh, to use the word again and he was like clearly there was something wrong with him and he uh grossing i think was getting him to do something and he grabbed a hammer and started smashing like windows right and and there have been a bunch of bunch of series of events that were leading you know up to this moment he's like that's it i've had enough i'm taking you to, to yogi bhajan and uh he's gonna sort you out and then as soon as he stepped in the presence of yogi bhajan uh, for those of you who don't know, that's sort of, that's the, the, the main yogi who brought Kundalini Yoga to the West, and it's called Kundalini Yoga as Tapa Yogi Bhajan. Anyways, he, he brought him to see him, and Gurusim was expecting he's going to get an ass whooping, and he's, you know, going to lecture him and tell him he better, you know, shape up or he's out of here. And because of the presence that Yogi Bhajan was in, he basically saw into that person the potential, the future version of that, that man's self. Of, of the potential of who that person is, that big version of that person. And because he is so solid in who he was, he was able to invoke that out of this individual and his entire personality shifted. He was a different person in the presence of, of a master. And I think that message right there is what we can all strive towards. We can all take ownership over. And it goes back to both everything that we were validating. When we own who we are, like to the core, people have to show up because it goes back to the vibration, the sound thing. We resonate, the heart coherence of who we are magnifies out so much further than what our, you know, the brain frequency does. And it, it literally lifts people up around you. So if you want to be more, want more trusting relationships, you got to build that within yourself, man. And, and uh, that's the power of really owning who you are and operating from that infinite identity and expressing that through your, 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 yourself, right? Your powerful, yeah. powerful, man. I have two more questions um, and, and one I'll split between the two of you. Well, I'll, I want to hear answers from both of you. So um, on, on both of those questions, but the first one is um, maybe just one lesson that you wish you knew when you were, uh, you know, just one years old just one lesson that you know now though that you're embodying that life has taught you one experience where like oh man 
I, I, I wish I could just like go back in time, tell that to my younger self, because it would have just changed. Um, I mean, not that the adversity we go through is bad, right? Because it helps us too, but it, one lesson. Yeah, I, I'll jump in, you know, and I don't mean to steal Matthew McConaughey's thunder. I don't know if you saw one of his speeches where he says, who's your hero? It's me 10 years from now. If I could have seen myself as my own hero when I was three years old, five years old, if I could really identify as like who I'm becoming, man, that, that would have been a huge gift. Because uh, I, I was the type of individual who always had to look perfect, act perfect, do everything 100% correctly. You know, the type A, it had, to, it had to always be perfect. And I couldn't, the life of me, have anyone not see that within like just making this facade of this is who I'm supposed to be because that's going to make other people happy around me and you know complete lack of identity and so what what is that essentially if I could have learned that I am the hero that I'm I'm waiting for in my life that would have been the, the most powerful message and then I would have obviously wanted to learn how to access that type of information and be able to draw on it more regularly but yeah that's that's it for me for sure I think for me, it would be patience. You know, I think that sounds funny, but you know, I even look at my son as we're raising him, he's five and a half. And there's a theme there that I think everyone, it would speak to everybody as far as, we underestimate, uh, I think how long sometimes can take to grow in certain areas of our life, whether it be your health or relationships with loved ones or, you know, um, getting you know sharpening your skills your education it doesn't matter what it is right uh but we always want to get there quick we you know we want to get from a to b right away and the reality is that doesn't happen and it, it takes time it takes going through that resistance it takes experiencing the growth you know that everybody a lot of times shies away from but we know we need to move towards that to, to grow as human beings because we're built for that right this evolution but just being patient with it and respecting the process that as long as you're moving through it and you're, and you have that momentum that to just trust that you're, you're going to make it where you need to get and, and, and trust that like, like Guru Singh says, what, what is has always been and you just have to just keep moving and, and allow things to play out the way they're supposed to. Yeah. I love that. I would have told myself that too. <laughs> Could you tell that to my 20 year old self as well? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's such a powerful message because, you know, we, we, we all associate time in such a different way. Yeah. You know, and, and when it's like, even just how we identify ourselves, like what's actually aging us is actually just the memory of where we've been. Right. We're new bodies physically every, like every 10 years or something like that. Like physically every cell is turned over. The only thing that's continuous in this is just the memory of, of what was. So, you know, just imagine if we would become more patient, what if we changed our relationship to time? You know, I, it may be part of unlocking the, the keys to, to longevity, just, just with that alone, with that understanding of time is a wave, all things are happening now. And, and you know, that's it's a, it's a beautiful that's way of putting it. That's a beautiful thought. It's just such a great thought. It just got me trip tripping out on this <laughs> awareness you know <laughs> like every morning when you wake up you know that space that you wake up in or for like a few seconds a few minutes sometimes you're like still in the dream world 
and then you're kind of bringing that in and, and that's more real than anything and then at some point your memory of who you thought you were awakens mm -hmm. and all the thoughts and worries and ideas and needs to get this done today like it, no matter what time it is if it's 6 a.m or 10 a.m you get up and that stuff comes in in the first few minutes and you're like wow do I really need to remember this or is this just a, like a really poorly practiced function of how most of our people, like most of people in society are operating right now? Like it's happening for me, right? I, I do wake up with that. And sometimes I just wish I could just put the memory on pause and realize, okay, if I really need to, I can look at that later. But I want to experience this day as fresh. I want to experience this day without being taken already into opinions and right, wrong, yes, no, left, right, you know? Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. And get rid of the default mode, right? That we all wake up with. Well, that's, that's disruption, right? That's, that's everything that, that you're teaching people, Julian. That's everything that we're teaching. It's like, what if you just did something a little bit differently, right? And be okay with that being there. But despite that being there, I mean, this is what we call the daily practice of sadhana. It's just breaking routine. It's just changing how you wake up and greet the day. That's, that's a message for all of us. I mean, you're not the only one. I wake up thinking of that stuff too. Um, and then well, lots of work to do. Yeah, the new default mode, right? It's like create a new default mode. Hmm. All righty, I have one last question then. And this is, this is the question that um, you really sent me onto this journey or this quest on starting this podcast over two years ago now. And it has to do with this Native American or indigenous um, people's notion of the seven generations. So if we as, as a humanity at large now had this integrated, this notion of seven generations, seven generations are roughly like 200, 210 years, I believe. Um, and we had an actual vision for what earth could look like, feel like, be like um, in 200 years from now. Just so we can actually imagine it and we can actually hold ourselves maybe even accountable to, to that notion for the seven generations. In, in both of your own words, like what would that world feel like, look like? Is there anything that drops in, any vision or any values or anything that you'd, you'd love to mention? Well, the first thing that comes to mind for me is having this very, reestablishing a deep connection with mother earth. Cause that's, I mean, that's, we are her, she is us. I mean, we are completely connected to this planet. And right now with where we're at, we are so far from that. And, and I think the technology is, is pulling us further and further away. So how do we, how can we integrate the, this amazing technology we have at our disposal, but still keep that connection with her on a daily basis and understand that like, that's what keeps us going. You, I mean, you talk about moving forward as a human race. That's what we need to get back to so that we can continue to be a human race. Cause otherwise we're not going to be around very much longer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, can I say ditto? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's, that's essentially it, right? I mean, it's funny, but when you said that, I had a conversation the other morning with my boys, and they, they said something, I mean, it's a little different, but they were like, Dada, what would you do if you had a million dollars? And then I said, and I started going through it, and he said, and then he had another question, Dada, what would you do if you had a billion dollars? And then I told him, and it just kind of got more exciting and bigger, and it was helping more people, and it's like, Dad, what if you had a zillion dollars? <laughs> it just kept increasing. It was so funny. But, I mean, what does a future look like? It looks like that. It looks like creativity and opportunity and, and just thinking outside the box and being playful and, 
you know, loving your family and, and getting a chance to spend time with them <laughs> and not like in the nine to five, get to work, got to get this done, got to do that, play out a game that's not serving anybody and it's clearly not serving the planet. I mean, let's be honest. So if I could picture a world 200 years from now, it's like I would get to spend most of my day's moments playing, being with my kids, learning, growing, growing food, being in community, celebrating, you know, sharing, and it would probably look like a lot less traffic. It would look like a lot less drama, a lot lower, a lot more meditation, and and just really being in a place of service where where everyone was on the same page. And yes, we all had our own unique perspectives, but but we were all working to something, uh, something that that was right. I mean, it, it reminds me of something. I wish I could remember who said this, um, but it was something like. In relationship, it's not about who is right, it's about what is right. And if we can just get into what is right and as far as our relationship goes with ourselves, with our planet, with our community, with the microbes that exist in you know in our bodies or on our bodies, I mean man, like that's that's it right there. Like let's get away from who's wrong, right, wrong, good, bad, you know, that 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 whole dogma and let's just get into what is right. And that's congruency, that's alignment, that's purpose, that's love, that's, that's everything. So, yeah, that's a fantastic question. Love it. Thank you both for answering it. It feels and sounds like a world that, that works for everyone. Uh, and that's, that's really my, my, my truest hope deep down there. Thank you for spending this hour with me. Is there anything, any last uh, ideas you would like to share or anything you, you want to make sure you, you point people towards? Obviously, we'll post the Dr. Des podcast uh, in here as well so people can follow you and, and lis listen to your show as well. Uh, hit us up on Facebook or Instagram. Me and Nick are constantly adding posts there. Um, lots of good stuff. Even if you don't have time to listen to the podcast, we post a lot of good nuggets throughout the year on there. So just check us out on social media. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the things that we, we like to gift to, to the world is to disrupt the, the food movement. So one of our passions in sharing with people is something that doesn't cost you anything and it only gives back to you, and that's the power of fasting. So if, if you're inclined towards that, you know, again, dive into the, the information that we share. Dave, both David and I both also run online fasting programs to teach people how to do this. You know, if we're gonna move into a sustainable future, this is a this is a tool set that you absolutely need. And it's that simple. And if you're not learning this, you need to start learning it. And I remember when I first started doing some of the fasting back in the day, I like I was scared to tell my wife about it. I was, you know, I she thought I was crazy. The whole staff was like, This guy's got too much energy, what's going on with him? He needs to eat, his blood sugar's all over the place. <laughs> and uh, and now just with all the the movement, the the research, the what comes out of this? I mean, it's sometimes the simplest thing that you can do, and it can have the biggest impact in your life. So, I encourage everyone who's listening start learning about it. You know, it doesn't have to be through us, but if if you're feeling inclined, you know, lo look it up. It's um, it's a powerful tool. Indeed, fasting is a whole other conversation. Mm -hmm. Glad you mentioned it. I might have to have, have you guys back to just talk about fasting only. That'd be a blast. Yeah, yeah that'd be a blast. Be honored, man. It's been a fun conversation with you today, Julian. Thank you.
that's that. Another episode of Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. I hope you truly enjoyed this one and received some insights, knowledge, and a form of learning that you can directly apply to your life, into your relationships, or maybe even into your business and the way you show up for the world. Because this is a movement and we're all part of it. Very much so. And we're in this together. We're here to create a world of a triple bottom line where you win, I win, and the entire planet wins. We're raising consciousness together and you know that. That's why you're listening. That's why I love you. So make sure to share the love. Hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Invite a friend to listen to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. And if you have an idea who else you'd like me to interview, make sure you reach out and send me a suggestion. Definitely check out greenplanet-blueplanet.com, the website to the podcast. I've created a lot of different offers for you, free content, free meditations for you to amplify your connection to self, the state of social impact in the world, and for you to connect and listen to who you could support of the people that I actually interview because their missions are ongoing and a lot of them need more collaboration. And after more than 100 episodes now, with some of the world's leading social impact experts, I have synthesized my most inspired learnings and takeaways to create coaching and mentorship programs for you and the people around you. Let me share with you about planetary purpose coaching and mentorship experiences. If you're in a space in your life where you're ready to level up to amplify who you are, what's coming through you and what you're doing to give your gift to the world, then I would love to hear from you and I'd love for you to apply to one of my private mentorships or group mentorships because getting all of the juice, all of that life force that's in you out into the world is something you deserve and the entire world around us deserves. Also, I work with people who are entirely new to this, to the topic of planetary purpose or the topic of meditation, the topic of insight, evolution and revolution. And if that's you and you're ready to step out of the ordinary and into creation or if you know someone who is totally ready for that, Make sure to check out the website or share the website. And you can also always shoot me a message on Instagram. I'll definitely read it and get back to you. Because, like, guys, this is real life. Let's be in touch and let's create this together. Last but not least, there's a few different group experiences I host, both in person and online. All of them are quantum learning environments, and I'm happy to tell you more. So simply inform yourself and stay connected because whatever resonates with you, I'm here to support you and bring out more purpose into the world. And with that being said, wherever you are in the world, make sure to be you, show up all the way, be all in, connect with someone today, make them smile, have yourself a stellar day. Lots of love to you and until soon.